Hello and welcome to the Fitter Podcast, the show that's all about demystifying science and separating science fiction from science fact. We are in episode 8 of season 2 and with me as always is the host of the Fitter Podcast, Jitendra Chokse aka JC. Hey everyone. Wow, we are at episode 8 of the podcast and uh, I think I, I think we've covered a fair bit of ground, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, let's see. We've spoken about fitness in general, uh, about nutrition, cardio, weight training. We also looked at the principles of fitness the last time and how a person can transform. So yeah, quite a bit of ground covered. Right. So now if you think about it, you know, these things are pretty much what people need if they want to get fit and healthy and uh, yeah you know if you if you draw a pyramid of fitness um, where you stack the most important things at the base of the pyramid um, and the least important things on the top of the pyramid then energy balance you know calories in versus calories out would probably be the foundation actually before that adherence would be the foundation and then calories and calories out right and this is especially true if you're a beginner who's trying to lose fat and get fitter then comes your protein and then other macros. And, uh, you know, calories are important, but where do these calories come from is also important. Then you have micronutrients. Uh, but you really don't need to worry about them if you're taking care of your macros and you're eating um, a variety of foods. Right. Because almost every food is rich in one or the other micronutrients, right? Right. And a vegetable, I can't recommend them enough. Uh, you should have a healthy serving of dark green leafy vegetables. And potatoes. Let's not forget potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, there's the mindset, there's the behavior, your sleep, rest, recovery, hydration. All these things, they, they also are extremely important. And at the top of the pyramid, uh, you know, the things that matter the least, that's your supplements. Okay. And... The fun, funny part is that, you know, people have reverted this pyramid. Um, in their mind, they believe that supplements are the base of getting a fit body, which is which is entirely untrue. Mm-hmm. I actually have a story about this. You know, when I was very new to workouts, this was in 2011 or something, I used to see that all these guys who go to the gym uh, had these shaker bottles and they were constantly drinking this pink-colored liquid or orange-colored liquid from it. And someone told me later on that this is something called BCAA. And if I, they were, I mean, basically the advice was I have to take BCAA because if I don't, I'm going to lose all my muscle. So, I mean, it cost me an arm and a leg. I still went out and bought it. And the funny part is, like you said, you know, that somehow I prioritized BCAA more than my workouts. Like there were days when I would skip my workout. I didn't feel like it. But I would sit home and nicely sip on my BCA, thinking, you know, this is going to help me preserve my muscle. So, yeah. you, you know, you're not the only one. Yeah. Everybody has done that. You know, every guy who speaks about these things and every guy who understands fitness and nutrition, hmm. they've probably succumbed to this. Um, and I'm, I'm no exception whatsoever. I've done it all. Uh, you know, I've, I've been there. I've had these BCAAs. I've believed in. Uh, you know, all these expensive mask gainers. It was, it was a time. I was young. What did I know? Mm. Right. So it's only after a long experience and exposure to fitness and nutrition, quantified nutrition, I realized how what a what a uh, what a phony um, industry this is. You know, the whole supplement industry. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm not trying to like demean the industry. I'm just saying that uh, the, the the claims are uh, often 
they they are exaggerated to the max you know like for for something to be able to do so little the kind of claims that the supplement industry makes it's it's bizarre it's almost like it's magic you know it's like a magic pill or a magic powder and you're going to get results without really making the effort yeah and i think people get uh, taken in by that promise so on that note i think uh, that's exactly why i thought we needed to do an episode specially on supplements because it is very like you said context driven people obviously you know sometimes miss the wood for the trees yeah and uh, they don't really they kind of you know there's this herd mentality and there's this uh general feeling that if you want to get healthy then supplements have to be a major major part of your fitness journey otherwise somewhere you're going to be lacking right so uh i wanted to start with the supplement that you know most people listening to this episode probably already know about a lot of them might already be using it and that supplement is whey protein so can you give us the lowdown on whey protein what is whey and who really needs it or do you really need it right so whey is a extremely good highly bioavailable source of protein and it's a derivative of uh milk products so basically um if you have ever made paneer at home yeah um you know there's there's, there's some water that comes out and this water is then dried off and then this water is then filtered and impurities are removed and that's that's your whey protein powder in its raw form um it's very high in protein it has very good bioavailability which means that whey protein is um as good as egg which is again the gold standard for uh, protein it has all essential amino acids uh on top of that uh, your body can absorb uh whey without wasting it uh, which which happens in a lot of other um supplements or which happens in in the case of other uh food products which are not high in bioavailability and you know just bioavailability is basically a measure of digestibility how well a product uh gets digested and absorbed in your body right that's 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 bioavailability in a in a more simpler term so uh, yeah whey whey is really good and uh, in, in terms of who needs whey protein i think people who are who are non vegetarian or who are not uh, who are not non vegetarians people who are vegetarians vegans mm-hmm. and people who have limited food palate uh people who are not able to meet their protein requirements uh through natural foods uh, through uh, home food mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Uh, those are the people who can probably supplement a scoop or uh, two of whey protein um i think it will be it will it would apply more towards people who are who are either allergic to certain food groups or or people who are vegan um apart from that i think everybody else can easily uh, meet their protein intake through dairy or meat products or i think it might also help people let's say like i'm on a hypocaloric diet let's say 17 or 1800 calories i'm from cutting or whatever but i need to complete my protein macros then it's i guess a lower calorie way of getting protein do you think is that right to us yes because whey is uh, uh whey has very less calories it's only uh, largely protein right so it's almost 80 85% protein hmm. if you're talking about wpc and then there's the uh, whey protein isolate which is uh, which is uh, around 90% away mm-hmm. um uh, 90% protein right so it has very few calories coming from carbs uh, no fat whatsoever so it's very low calorie uh, high protein um option mm. right so whey is bang on the box um it does not do something magical to your body it's just a source of protein 
right? So you get this protein from whey, you get this protein from any other sources, they will do pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. So if you are not able to consume your protein intake from your from your diet or or the foods or you're looking for a low calorie alternative uh, for protein then whey protein comes into the picture what about let's say uh, is there an upper limit on how many scoops a person should have because currently like on my diet i have two scoops of whey protein because i am on a lower calorie diet i need to complete around you know 180 to 200 grams of protein a day but is it safe to have more than two scoops or is it you know, for, or but even if it is safe, is it something that is recommended? Again, recommendations are very contextual because uh, uh, you have to have a context into why somebody would need large amount of protein, right? So uh, it's very contextual. As uh, When it comes to its uh, safety, its efficacy, I think it's one of the highly researched supplement. And like I've told you that, you know, whey protein was introduced back in, um, uh, it's it's almost uh, it's, it's almost 6,000 years old. Yeah, yeah. You know, and Hippocrates, who's, who's considered the father of uh, medicine, he used to prescribe whey protein to his patients. And back in the days, remember when we discussed in the first podcast, we were talking about whey cafes mm-hmm. uh, in, 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 a, in a relatively modern England. Yeah. People used to even take baths in whey, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they used to take bath in whey. So yeah. uh, whey is not something new. Whey is not something which is uh, which is unheard or unknown or something relatively new or uh, a genesis of this century. It's a 6,000-year-old it's a thing. So it's relatively safe. There's hundreds of thousands of researches done on whey. It's safe. Um, you don't need a lot of whey. Uh, you generally don't even need lots of protein, right? Mm. Uh, as long as you stick to your RDA or ODA recommendations, depending on if you're a generic population group or if you're part of that, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, athletic population, you can either stick to RDA or you can stick to ODA and uh, ODA. And, and that's pretty much it. So uh, I, don't, I, I don't see any reason why why somebody would have to go for um you know more than two scoops or three scoops of whey protein unless until it's 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 uh they're they're going for some sort of contest prep Mm -hmm. or extremely low calories or probably they're like seasoned bodybuilder or something right for general population one or two scoops um is fine and uh anything above and below you should you should check with your check with your coach Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. great so uh which brings me to the next uh supplement which is you know just as uh well known and that's creatine. And I think whey and creatine are probably also two of the most misunderstood uh, supplements, especially creatine. Because I know, you know, when I speak to my friends that, oh, you know, when I have a scoop of whey protein, I also add about three grams of creatine to it. And they're like, no, no, you shouldn't have that. That's like, you know, it's going to affect your kidneys. It's, you know, you should definitely not have creatine. Why do you need creatine? And uh, this is, I think, uh, a popular misconception, I would say, in people's minds. So perhaps you could clear that up. What is creatine? How does it actually work? Right. So uh, creatine already exists in your body. Uh, creatine, um, and, and before I explain creatine, I'll talk a little bit about the whole system. So look, we are we are an ATP-CP-based um, uh, based organism. What does what does that mean? Okay. So humans are ATP-CP. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you. So ATP-CP is basically adenosine triphosphate and creatine phosphate-based system, which means uh, just like you have uh, fuel cells these days where water, uh, you know, hydrogen, oxygen combines into water and then they get dissociated and they get 
associated and the whole process generates a lot of energy hmm. in a similar manner we have a atp cp system where uh, adenosine diphosphate uh, you know acquires one phosphate to become atp and then uh, the cycle repeats when atp loses one of its phosphate to become adp so this entire cycle keeps on repeating hmm. now in this entire exchange a lot of phosphates tend to get lost and this is where cp or the creatine phosphate system comes into place right so what happens is when you have creatine saturation in your muscles uh, creatine lends its phosphates to adp thereby you are able to generate more atp which means that for a short period of time as long as you have enough saturation of cp in your muscles uh, you will be able to generate more uh, energy or uh, more power more throughput so basically creatine helps you lift better uh, perform any activities better for a for a short duration got it got it and how what does what does creatine the creatine that you ingest how does that help in this whole process yeah so creatine goes inside your body and it binds with uh, uh, binds with phosphates so you have lots of free phosphates and they tend to get lost right so creatine binds itself with phosphates and and when atp uh, adp needs phosphates then this creatine phosphate lends its phosphates to uh, adp mm-hmm. and over a period of time you know i've also heard a lot about uh, people talking about loading uh, deloading creatine uh, which almost sounds as if it's uh, you know uh, 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 i don't know how it makes it sound it's like it's something that you if you stop using it you're going to lose its benefits or you need to maybe introduce it into the system a little slower i mean there's a lot of confusion about that as well uh look so your body already has creatine you already have cp inside your muscles cp is creatine phosphate sorry for using the term hmm. again and again so your body already has creatine phosphate and uh, there's a certain amount of creatine phosphate hmm. that your muscles can store uh, at a given point of time right so uh, what you do is you try to maximize the amount of creatine phosphate that's in your muscles uh which will aid in um basically creation of more atp right so it's a it's a good idea to have creatine uh preloaded uh and 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 it's not necessarily you have to do it before workout or after workout you can you can load them uh, throughout the day it can also you can also do a weekly average uh it won't make much of a difference however if somebody would ask an optimal time for uh, this thing i'd say you know 4 to 5 hours before workout hmm. uh leading up to the workout is usually a good time to uh ingest uh creatine okay and even if you are taking it at any other times of the day i don't see any reason why it would make a huge difference unless until you are also simultaneously performing uh any other activity which is not your exercise and which will take up significant amount of your power mm-hmm. so if if you are exercising at a predetermined time um like it's part of your routine then it doesn't matter um throughout the day at what time you take creatine and about the loading part uh, uh, some people do that front loading they they ingest uh, 10 gram and 5 gram of creatine mm. uh, and then eventually taper it off to 2 grams per day I don't see that also as a necessary thing if you want to do it go ahead do it but I don't see that's going to make a lot of difference I mean there's no significant benefits to loading creatine as opposed to just taking the same amount every day great great i think that clarifies a lot of things 
moving on uh, you did mention you know right at the start that uh, you know people tend to take multivitamins in fact i think uh, i was reading some statistics uh, i think the supplement industry is of course billions of dollars uh, worth and one of the biggest supplements that sells is a multivitamin all right i think just about every person i know says you know they take a multivitamin right in the morning all right so is that really something people need to do is that something that is a good habit to have or is it something that we can really do away with uh multivitamins are how do you say i'm i'm pretty neutral to multivitamins i look they can benefit people who have deficiencies uh it's a good way uh to basically take in your uh, micronutrients if you are not somebody who has uh, a good healthy lifestyle and somebody who is not into vegetables and who's who's probably on very poor uh, you know hypocaloric diets then multivitamins can can uh, uh, basically offer you uh, uh, you know the micronutrient benefits but for large population uh, you know multivitamins offer basically none to very little uh, advantage um uh, because if your overall lifestyle if your overall um overall condition is not good then uh, to think that you know adding a multivitamin is going to significantly improve it mm. uh, is basically far fetched and unless until you have a deficiency uh taking a multivitamin is is of no use because your body only has certain requirements of vitamins and minerals and anything which is in excess uh, gets flushed out so a lot of people think that by taking more multivitamins or more vitamins and minerals they will they'll get uh stronger and better that's that's not how it works your body has uh a certain range in which all these micronutrients uh minerals and vitamins are maintained so taking above that range is also going to get wasted taking below that range might lead up to some deficiencies right so get a blood test done get a mineral test done uh check your vitamins if you are deficient in something go ahead take a multivitamin if you are not deficient then you really don't need multivitamins great great so now uh, i need to now come to the supplement that i know that a lot of people who are really really serious lifters swear by and that is caffeine uh I'm certainly a caffeine head and you know, I love my coffee you know I'll drink multiple cups in a day so I mostly drink it for flavor and the alertness or the uh, you know awakeness that I feel after I drink coffee but let's say someone who wants to ingest or take caffeine as a supplement for improving their gym performance I think that is is that what really caffeine is meant for is that something that can really help your performance at uh, gyms or with your workouts or is that again just hype is there any truth to the fact that caffeine actually improves your workouts all right uh, so look caffeine actually works and uh, just like whey caffeine is also uh, pretty old uh, we have seen stories we have discussed at length about caffeine and its origins back in uh, i think season 1 yeah um so caffeine does work it's a it's a psychoactive substance and uh, which means that it affects uh, you know how your mind works and it can it can alter your mood it can alter your cognition it can alter your consciousness so it's it's actually quite similar to uh, uh, this component called adenosine right and uh, mm-hmm. basically adenosine is an organic compound that 
um, has like variety of effects on human brain, and uh, it it helps in regulating your uh, sleep and um, you know mood. And uh, in our brain, basically, you have receptors that bind with certain molecules to uh, express neurological responses. And uh, uh, adenosine is uh, and, and and one such. Um, a molecule which has uh, several receptors and they all of them have their own effects. So think of your brain as a as a socket. Hmm. You know, think of your brain as a socket, and 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 let's say you have thousands of different instruments uh, with their own uh, plugs, and then when you plug in something into a socket, a different instrument will make a different kind of sound, right? So. Uh, using the same socket, you can exhibit different kinds of uh, different kinds of uh, sounds. Basically, you can play different uh, music using the same socket. It's the similar with brain, and so a uh, brain has these uh, receptors. And when different kinds of compounds and molecules uh, bind with these receptors, your brain exhibits a range of neurological responses. And so, caffeine is uh, caffeine. As, as, as one of those compounds which which basically uh, binds to uh, you know lots of these receptor sites in the brain mm-hmm. and uh, the kind of effects that it elicits are uh, basically like I said it promotes relaxation it, it, it promotes uh, conscious uh, consciousness it promotes uh, uh, mm. uh, focus so these are some of the things that caffeine does to your body and uh, it can also increase improve your increase your blood pressure it can if you're taking a large quantities it can also result in palpitation mm-hmm. so with everything you know you should you should be careful of um, some of the side effects which you can get by taking too much of caffeine it's relatively safe but uh, you just have to assess your tolerance right right so now that we've spoken about all these supplements by the way these are not all the supplements that you've covered in the book there are a number of other supplements and Anyone who's listening to this episode, if you want to go deeper into some other supplements like zinc and vitamin C and vitamin E and fish oil, JC's book has covered them in uh, great detail. But I wanted to turn to some supplements which are, you know, uh, which you've written in your book, you've mentioned in your book, which are hyped by a lot of marketing, but perhaps are maybe not necessary at all, or their, you know, the benefits are grossly exaggerated. And the first one is fat burners. And when I hear the term fat burners, I'm at 30% body fat. It sounds almost like a magical pill where if I pop these fat burners, I'm going to burn a lot of fat and I'm going to get really, really thin. Uh, Where am I wrong in thinking about this? I know it is wrong, but I mean... All right. Uh, So basically, fat burners are uh, thermogenic compounds and the compounds which which tend to increase your uh, core body temperature uh, compounds which are which are known to increase your uh, heart rate, your blood pressure, and a certain things which which may uh, be perceived as improved uh, metabolism in a, in, a, in a short period of time, mm. right? So you feel jittery, you feel like okay something is happening. Uh, what they essentially do is they are increasing your energy expenditure. They are increasing your uh, uh, resting, um, uh, you know, uh, metabolic rate hmm. to a certain degree. Now, the only problem with this is, look, if you are in deficit, maybe these compounds can offer a 5% benefit. But if you are not in deficit, 
uh, that five percent will mean nothing, hmm. right? So and and plus the side effects which which these fat burners come with are not worth the risk. So if you want to lose fat and get fit, the the solution is basically calorie deficit or uh, you know stay at maintenance mm-hmm. and keep lifting weights. Uh, in which case your body will undergo recomposition. But uh, in general, uh, assuming that fat burners are going to specifically target fat is again a misconception. And uh, who should use fat burners? I think nobody should use fat burners. The only thing they burn is a hole in your pocket. Uh, they're a waste of money. Right. Now, the other end, you know, the on the other side of the spectrum are mass gainers or so people who want to put on weight, who are skinny. Or maybe they, uh, again, another thing, the claim that's made about mass gainers is if you especially look at the packages, they show this really massive guy. And the promise they seem to be making is you have this mass gainer and you're going to put on a lot of muscle mass. You're going to look huge. You're going to look really powerful. But is that true? What do mass gainers actually do? So first, let's understand what mass gainers are. So mass gainers are basically uh, cheap sugary products uh, with a little bit of added protein. And we know that protein is needed if you need to build muscles. Hmm. Uh, so so that's the gimmickry, basically. And they, they combined it with some uh, glucose or glucose-like substances like uh, like uh, maltodextrin, um, or or it could be just a, a, a cheap uh, sugar supplement, right? And so what they do is they mix this uh, mixture in certain proportions, and different brands have their different uh, a different way of preparing these um, mixtures. Hmm. And they call them mass gainers, uh, but we know that if you want to gain muscles, it's a, first of all, it's a slow process. You definitely have to be at maintenance or surplus. Because, uh, again, that's a common misconception that you have to be in surplus to be able to gain muscles. Hmm. Uh, when in reality, even at maintenance, you can gain muscles because building muscles um, is considered a part of your body's maintenance. So you can be at maintenance or surplus calories if you want to build muscles. And we know that you know gaining muscles uh, in a short period of time is, is not possible naturally. Uh, uh, and it's a, it's a slow process. So... If you are consuming mass gainers and you end up gaining um, two kilograms a month, uh, rest assured that most of it is is uh, fat, you know. And if you are not exercising, uh, because that's also a prerequisite for building muscles. I mean, the body needs to have a reason to build stronger uh, muscles. And if you are not giving them the reason, which means um, you are not exercising, then then rest assured that most of that mass is coming out of fat. Right. Uh, right. So basically, mass gainers are uh, are a way to make people consume more calories. That's it. And you can make your own mass gainer at home. Um, you can make your own smoothies. Okay. Actually, you know, people people make these smoothies for uh, fat loss and all these celebrity nutrition experts, right? Who keep making these smoothies at home with blueberries and God knows what else. <laughs> yeah but they they are actually calorie bombs hmm. and i've seen you know somebody making a uh, making a smoothie which was about six to eight hundred <laughs> calories and they were claiming that it's going to help them lose weight and get a healthy skin so maybe you can look at uh, one of one of those smoothies and start making them at home hmm. and you can name this as, them as mass gainers you know, one glass of smoothie, 600, 800 calories, there you go. Yeah, that's 600 to 800 calories over and above what you're already eating. So I suppose it is going to make you gain mass. 
but uh, not mass weight weight yes 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 we must be clear about that yeah because people often use the word mass with muscles exactly exactly and mass is just weight and most of it like you said is bound to be fat if you're not in a calorie deficit or if you're not at maintenance and if you're not lifting heavy yeah yeah So we started this discussion with my uh, misadventures with BCAAs. So I thought it's a good place to end the episode. Also, uh, what are BCAAs, and do you really need them? Anybody, uh, when when somebody asks me, do you need supplements? Um, it's a very generic statement, right? My first answer would always be, no, you don't need them. Hmm. Um, you know, and then if you talk about the context, then then probably I'd go ahead and say, yeah, maybe that's a good option. Maybe this is a good option. So it's it's pretty much the same with BCAA, just like any other supplements. If somebody asks me, do you need BCAA for building muscles? No, you don't need them. If somebody says, are BCAA uh, good supplements? I'd say that depends. You know, if you are not able to complete your macros, uh, a protein, uh, if you are, um, if you if you are not able to take sufficient amount of protein from your food, uh, then then BCAA can be had. But if you are already taking sufficient amount of protein, then BCAA is is uh, not really uh, needed and kind of is a waste of money. And BCAA is basically branch chain amino acid. So there is three amino acids: uh, leucine, isoleucine, and valine. And what happens is that these three amino acids have a very high turnover in your body, and all the amino acids are typically stored in an amino acid pool in your body. um and 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 your intestines and so what happens is when you are taking protein these three amino acids get utilized more right and your body needs all the amino acids in equal quantities to be able to create structures hmm. right so sometimes when you are not taking enough amount of protein uh, uh then then you are probably deficient in these three amino acids and that's when you can take them however the use case is very um it's it's very fragile you know it it would i'd say out of 100 people who are into lifting maybe one or two people would need bcaa mm. you know maybe because uh maybe because they have a high protein turnover especially for these amino acids and maybe they are extremely uh heavy weight lifters they can they can probably take bcaa for a much better recovery but 99 Uh, of those people, ninety nine percent of the times will not need BCAA. So for general population, BCAA is is sort of like a waste of money. So for the general population, just complete your protein macros and you're good to go. Yeah, you're good to go. Great. I think that's a great place to end the episode. Of course, this is not the complete list of supplements uh, that uh, you've covered in your book. So if people want to do a deeper dive into supplements, what are supplements? Which are the ones you should have? Which are the ones that you should avoid? I would say go get yourself a copy of Lose Fat, Get Fitter, and uh, yeah, read the chapter on supplements. In fact, read all the chapters because, like you said rightly, supplements is maybe just one part of the puzzle. There are so many other things that go into keeping you healthy. It's a uh, top of the pyramid, less than five percent. Right. Right. So correct. And don't miss out on the base. Without the solid foundation, uh, the cherry on top is not going to make any difference. There has to be a top. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it does. There needs to be one. Yeah. As usual, JC, it's a great conversation. Got to learn a lot. Thanks, thanks, Lord Jody. I'll see you guys next time. Yes, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Fitter Podcast, where we bust more fitness memes. Mm-hmm.